And this time I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. Our guest is Reverend Bill Gupton. He's the president and founder of the Heritage Acres Memorial Sanctuary in Cincinnati, Ohio. Heritage Acres is the area's only fully dedicated natural, read green, burial ground. It is also a nature preserve and arboretum. We often consider our carbon footprint when making lifestyle choices. But what about our final footprint when making the end of life choices? What will be the environmental impact of our death? Natural burial offers an option that is both earth friendly and death friendly. Reverend Bill. The second reading is an excerpt from an essay titled Big Grass by Louise Erdrich in the book, The Heart of the Land, Essays on Lost Great, Last Great Places, but it could be lost as well. Essays on Last Great Places. Louise Erdrich writes, grass sings, grass whispers, ashes to ashes, dust to Grass, real grass, not the stuff that we trim and poison to an acid green mat, not clipped grass never allowed to go to seed, not some humanly engineered lawn substance as synthetic as carpet, but the kind of grass that streams out in August, full grown into a hypnotizing silk. Grass that is emotional, its message a visual music with rills and pauses so profound, it's almost dangerous to watch. Tall grass in motion is a world, a world of legato. Our eyes are filled with it, and on a swale of grass we sink down, chewing the ends of juicy stems. Soon, so soon. Your arms reach, drooping across the strings of an air harp. Before long, you want your lover's body in your hands, and you don't mind dying quite so much. You don't fear turning into grass. You almost believe that you could continue from below to express in its motion your own mesmeric yearning and find comfort. I could be converted to a religion of grass, sleep the winter away and rise headlong each spring, sink down deep roots, respect and nourish my neighbors. Such are the tenets and dogmas of the religion of grass. As for its practice, grow lush in order to be devoured or caressed, stiffen in sweet elegance, Invent startling seeds, bow beneath the arm of fire, and connect underground. Provide, provide, be lovely, and do no harm. Grateful praise indeed. And so let us be grateful this morning for the beauty that surrounds us, for the gift of life, 
for the ability to appreciate all the abundance of this life. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you today on the very first Sunday of Brian's sabbatical. Till a week or so ago, I did not realize I would have the honor of being that first guest preacher of the sabbatical, but here I am. Here I am for the first time in six years because it was six years ago this spring Brian was very new here at that time when I last spoke in this lovely sanctuary. My sermon title that morning was, It's Only Natural, a look at green burial. Apparently, as a result of that service, something took root, if you will. Some seeds were planted, puns definitely intended, by the way. And a group within your congregation began thinking about and dreaming of a green burial ground here in the bluegrass. A lot has certainly happened in the past six years. During my previous trip here to Lexington, I told you about a unique project that my own congregation, Heritage Universalist Unitarian Church in Cincinnati, was about to undertake the creation of a natural burial ground that would serve the entire Cincinnati region as its one and only fully dedicated green burial preserve. I am proud to report today that Heritage Acres Memorial Sanctuary, a beautiful 40-acre corner of this lovely earth, opened almost exactly two years ago now, two years ago on Earth Day, in the, right when the pandemic was starting. Since then, we have lovingly laid to rest the bodies and ashes of more than two dozen people, Unitarian Universalists, Protestants, Catholics, Jews, and others. We have hosted numerous public events, hikes, and educational activities, including an upcoming foraging hike this very afternoon. We've become a certified arboretum, and more importantly, we've also been certified as a natural burial ground by the Green Burial Council. Something else has happened, too, in the last six years since I first shared with you the good news of natural burial. Word started getting around that a church, a Unitarian Universalist church, had started a green burial ground as one of the ways it wanted to live out its mission of environmental stewardship in the wider world. A world beset by climate change, ecological distress, and weather disasters. It wasn't long before I began getting phone calls from other UU churches who were interested in creating natural burial options in their own communities. And so I began consulting with UU churches, uh, one in New Jersey, you guys, and so on, about green burial. And the truth is I'm frequently asked to talk to various groups about Heritage Acres and about natural burial, but it's always good to speak to Unitarian Universalists because you are an audience, I feel, that gets it, that understands, that relates to what we're trying to do at Heritage Acres. As I look around at this sanctuary, I imagine that many of you regularly recycle. Many of us compost. We drive hybrid and electric vehicles. We tend to think of ourselves, in fact, we know ourselves to be part of a great interdependent web of existence. 
We seem to be naturally, again pun intended, naturally concerned with the environment and our planet, and we are deeply aware of our carbon footprint. So of course we are open to considering our final footprint. And that is one of the reasons I'm here today to ask you to consider your final footprint. Because, and maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, when Americans die, the environmental cost of our death to planet Earth is pretty darn staggering and mighty darn unnecessary. Each year in the United States alone, and friends, we are almost completely alone in the world in our pursuit of these environmentally appalling practices, each year in the United States we put into the ground, we, we bury intentionally and willingly along with our beloved dead 64,000 tons of steel, 1.6 million tons of concrete, and 4.3 million gallons of toxic cancer-causing embalming fluid. That's just in the United States every year. Now contrast those figures with the impact, impact of what is commonly called green burial. A very simple idea. In fact, an idea as old as humanity itself. When a person dies, when a loved one dies, when we die, the community gathers round, sort of like in the story. A simple hole is dug in the ground and that person's remains are returned naturally to the earth from which they came. There are no chemicals involved. There's no metal, no concrete, no marble or mausoleums, just a human being reverently placed in sacred ground that they might naturally become part of the earth once again. It's that simple. In a natural burial, everything put into Mother Earth can be used again by Mother Earth. All of it is biodegradable, even us. In short, green burial is a completely natural process. Don't talk to me about a traditional funeral, the way those in the funeral industry talk about it. Metal and mahogany caskets and embalming and underground concrete vaults. What a green burial does, what we do at Heritage Acres in Cincinnati, is what's really a traditional funeral, a practice as old as humanity itself. Archaeologists have found such burials that took place more than 100,000 years ago. And they also took place in America just a couple of hundred years ago. During my previous visit to this pulpit, I remember telling you the story of how I became a proponent of green burial. Few of you might remember it, but I think the story bears repeating. It was back when I, was, I had first recently become a minister. And one of my favorite aspects of the job was putting together an annual youth group trip to Boston. During this Unitarian Universalist youth pilgrimage, as we called it, our young people learned firsthand how deeply intertwined are the roots of American democracy and the roots of our UU faith. On these trips, we would visit the offices of the UUA, we would walk around the Freedom Trail and attend UU churches that date back to before the revolution. But what I loved most about the trip would occur when we ventured outside of Boston. Specifically, when we'd visit 
the still quaint little town of Concord, Massachusetts. There we would spend several hours at Walden Pond. We would sit in the pews at the church Ralph Waldo Emerson attended. And after that, as it was getting toward dusk, I would walk the kids up across the road and up a hill toward Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. And yes, that's really its name. And in one must-see corner of the cemetery, overlooking the historic Unitarian Church, is a section known as Author's Ridge, because buried on that hill are such literary luminaries and legendary Unitarians as Emerson, Hawthorne, Alcott, and Thoreau. It was there at the very humble grave of Henry David Thoreau, his old and weathered gravestone no larger than our hymnal, engraved simply with the word Henry, it was there that I experienced an epiphany. You see, there's a pine tree growing out of Henry David Thoreau's grave. A pine tree literally growing from the ground where the world's most well-known and beloved naturalist is buried. Kind of like that tree rising to life from the fox in the story Stacy shared earlier this morning. And when I looked at that pine tree on Henry David Thoreau's grave, I realized that some of the very substance of the author of Walden, molecules and atoms, part of Henry David Thoreau himself was in that tree. That living, breathing, photosynthesis performing, oxygen producing tree. And in that moment of realization, everything changed for me. The direction of my life changed. And of course, of course, ultimately, my death changed as well. It was, in every sense of the word, a religious experience. And so, as I did six years ago when I came, I brought back with me today this pine cone. I take this everywhere I go to talk about Green Barrel. This is a pine cone. I picked up off the ground at Henry David Thoreau's grave that afternoon from the tree that's growing out of his grave. And when I hold it, even many years later, I kind of get goosebumps thinking about the atoms and th that they're part of Henry David Thoreau in this pine cone. That connection, that's that eternal cycle, um, that the way our natural bodies are part of this natural world forever. So I like to carry this around and show it to folks. You can hang, you can hold it afterwards. Um, it struck me that afternoon that although he had been dead for nearly two centuries, Thoreau is part of the interdependent web still as well. A part which I was blessed to be able to hold in my hand. I also remembered at that time that people were buried in simple handmade wooden boxes and that their bodies were literally returned to the earth. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, or dust to grass, as Louise Erdrich says. So prior to that moment at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Concord, I had planned to be cremated when I died. I most certainly did not want done to me what had recently been done to my father, who was stuffed full of embalming chemicals that made him look utterly unnatural. 
and was laid to rest in a fancy hermetically sealed metal coffin that was then put inside a concrete box in the ground and cut off from the earth and the natural cycle, from the natural world that gave him birth and should have welcomed him back in death. But up until that time, I had never considered that there might be another way. It had never crossed my mind that there could be something beautiful, something meaningful, something natural that could happen to this body when I die, and that I could become part of the earth again in a way that has always been done by humanity. I could simply be buried in the ground like so many people already have d had done at Heritage Acres. And I want to tell you about one burial we had recently. This was just a few weeks ago. The final footprint of an amazing young woman whom I had the privilege of meeting for the first time in February, shortly before she died. Her name was, her name is Lucy. Lucy had suffered from a debilitating degenerative disease since birth, and her parents knew that she would soon be dying. One day her father, who could not bring himself to imagine burying his beloved daughter in what we in the green burial world think of as a conventional cemetery, the kind with rows and rows of marble stones sticking up from the kind of utterly unnatural manicured turf that Louise Erdrich calls humanly engineered lawn substance. So Lucy's dad started Googling. And as he told me, the first thing that popped up was Heritage Acres. Now, like most people who contact us, he expressed a mixture of surprise and profound relief that such a place as Heritage Acres even exists, that it is legal, which it is, and that it was only a short drive from his home. So he arranged to meet me there one chilly early morning in February, not knowing what to expect. What happened is what happens to just about everyone who visits Heritage Acres. He felt instantly at home, at ease. He fell in love with the place. Heritage Acres has, if I do say so myself, a certain sacred feel to it, a soothing, calming, spiritual energy that is palpable. And it wasn't long until this man, whose daughter was about to die, found himself gravitating toward a certain area near the woods in a corner of our burial meadow, where there were, at that point at least, no other graves yet. And when he got over there, he stopped and looked around, and I, I saw his shoulders noticeably relax. He squatted down, he bent down on the ground, toward the ground, touched the earth. Then he stood up and turned to me and declared that this, this was the place, the place where he would bury his daughter, his beloved 18-year-old daughter. Again, certain aspects of that story are not all that uncommon. Someone being drawn to a certain spot, having a feeling, just knowing in their heart that it's the perfect place for them or their loved one. But what's less common about this story is that when the time came, just maybe 10 days later, 
that Lucy left this life, her father and the men of her family came out to Heritage Acres and dug the grave themselves, just like in the old days. I tell you, it was a beautiful thing to behold. And I know that for them, it was a powerful, cathartic, and spiritual experience. The next afternoon, family and friends came out to Heritage Acres and accompanied Lucy's shrouded body to the grave that her father had dug. The procession took place using our gorgeous Amish handmade and therefore truly traditional burial cart. I'll show you pictures of it in a few minutes. The mourners took turns pulling the cart to the grave, pallbearers on wheels, as others walked alongside. And then at the graveside, everyone gathered around for what became an over two hour remembrance of Lucy. Can you imagine that happening, any of that happening at a conventional cemetery? Her mother played the ukulele and sang songs that she used to sing to Lucy. Other people read poems. Many laid out blankets and sat on the grass. There were times of powerful silence when you could feel the breeze and hear the gentle sound of the creek flowing in the nearby woods. And there was a tangible connection with what it is to be human. With generations gone before, Lucy was shrouded in her great-grandmother's quilt. In generations yet to come, her younger sister was there, gently weeping. And with countless millennia of humankind, with the eternal natural cycle of which we are a part. And when it was time, the family lovingly lowered Lucy's body into the grave and shoveled the dirt back in and placed flowers and pine boughs all around. And I've taken part in and witnessed many natural burials now, but I have not yet seen a family embrace the totality of the experience of life and of death, of loving and grieving the way this family did. And it was truly a blessing for me and an honor to be able to tell you this story with their permission today. The thing is, after such an experience, you are forever deeply connected to that place, to that sacred ground. Last weekend, we had our first volunteer work day of the spring at Heritage Acres, never mind that it was flurrying snow. And there was her father and her sister helping to pull honeysuckle and haul wood chips and tend to the walking trails, even petting our resident dog that is out there. They gathered in the circle of volunteers in the woods when it was lunchtime and, and broke bread with us. Everyone laughing, reminiscing, <clears throat> growing teary, and then smiling again. <clears throat> well, that was Lucy's story, which always gets to me. That is Lucy's story, because it's an ongoing story. Because hey, her family remembers her, and as we at Heritage Acres well, remember um, and honor her. To date, there have been 26 such stories for us, each one a unique version of an individual's or a family's desire to make their final footprint on this earth a positive and sustaining one, each one a courageous act of unconventionality that is helping to preserve and restore a moribund farm 
and turn it into a vibrant, healthy ecosystem where life abounds and death is natural. Where beloved, departed human souls are remembered and respected, living human spirits are continually uplifted. Every time I'm at Heritage Acres, I experience this recurring message. Life abounds here. There are people walking their dogs. There are people hiking the trails we've created in the woods. A couple of weeks ago, I noticed for the first time this spring buzzing life. Flying insects, crawling insects, buds on the branches. The land is coming alive once again. And so the cycle, the cycle of the year, the cycle of life and death, the cycle of which we are a part. That is the magic, the transformative power of a natural burial preserve, the ability to bring people back in harmony with such a cycle, the creation of a place where human beings can return to the earth when their journey in this life is complete, return to the source as nature intended, and where those who remember them and miss them can come to laugh and play or shed tears and grieve, or both, as is also completely natural. Joy and woe are woven fine, says the poet, and that truth is embodied, literally embodied and made manifest at Heritage Acres. I hope that soon your congregation will be able to join mine in this incredible and incredibly rewarding endeavor. I assure you it will be transformative for all.